Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of the Creators Outlet. Please subscribe, comment, and share. And we'd like to welcome our guest tonight, Michael from Sire Studios and podcasting and artistry and and, and writing and and the in in the YouTube inch and and everything else. Now, I'm I'm a, uh, I called a, I had a guest on tonight. Uh, my podcast literally just ended like about a minute ago, um, and I called her a visionary. She's an actress and a producer and a director, and, and, and she does all this thing. So I'll, I'll go visionary. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Human Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. Visionary. Because <laughs> why not? I loved that cartoon when I was a kid. <laughs> it's a humble brag. No, it's not even humble at all. Actually, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. Actually, <laughs> but it's you know, puff the chest out, <laughs> show off, show off a comic book, and 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 kick the tires and light the fires. That's it. That's what it's all. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. It's just is making yourself seem larger than life. <laughs> So, How are you doing, sir? I know um, that is that is something that I asked you backstage, but I also I am genuinely always concerned and make sure that you are in in uh, in good good health. Yeah, I got a I got a cellulitis infection right now, and uh, you know I figured I'm like, well, I'm overdue for one. I haven't had one in almost a year, so I'm like, you know, where are you, my old friend? And 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 there it is. Uh, <laughs> little worse than last time. I've got like this immense odd swelling in my left leg that, you know, looks like there's a softball underneath it uh, going down a little bit. I'm on antibiotics till Saturday. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my, my doctor might uh, 
put him past that. Or when I do my follow-up this Friday, they might be like, uh, hop on that gurney. Uh, I'm admitting you. You know, and if that's the case, I get a weekend stay and some pretty nurses will give me some sponge baths. And Could be I, worse, right? And I, and I should be out by Monday because they'll, you know, they'll, they'll tell me to go to sleep and 30 seconds after you fall asleep, they'll come in and wake you up because they have to take your vitals and, and hang like another bag of, uh, magic fluid to uh, get all the stuff out of you. I'm like, okay. Either way, well, you know, you're here the, now. Yeah. Outside you're, of the legs. You're here so, now and you're still here. That's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm still here. Uh, outside of the legs and like the increased pain and, and swelling and stuff, uh, you know, I feel fine from the knees up. Okay. <laughs> so. Could be worse, right? Yeah. It, it, it could, it could, oh, it's been worse. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going pretty good. Uh, uh, lots of shows coming up on, uh, episode 200 pretty soon. Wow. You know, it's almost like I've been doing this like three or four times a week. Uh, wow. Oh wait, I have it's, been doing a lot, this three or four times a week. It's a lot, dude. It's um, you know, we have our weekly show, the Rogue Wave Podcast, and uh, it is, it, it, you know, sometimes it can be a grind for sure. But it's actually fun. It's fun bringing, like in your case, which uh, you know, we we have guests as well too. Sometimes, um, but it's not every week. Sometimes it can be tough to like figure out what to talk about. But it's but it's awesome. Like when you can bring someone else, you know, bring someone else in and and just you know just have a chat. So happy to happy to. Happy to be yeah. that other person tonight. <laughs> so, you know, it's good to have you back again. I think this is uh, your third time on. Do I get like a like a robe, like a bathrobe or a jacket or something? I'll send you a tiara. <laughs> I'll wear it. I'll wear I, it. I think my, I think my daughter's going to wear it on my one. fourth. I'll wear it on my fourth appearance. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll start it with that. <laughs> it's it's King Michael from Sire Studios. The Sire <laughs> is here. Hell yeah. So uh, we were talking backstage a little bit about how uh, an enormous piece of pie you bit off in trying to do the uh, the graphic novel. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and, and it, what's nice is I'm in communication with my backers all the time. But um, we did Sire Volume Three in January. Um, I had a schedule of that I that I said, okay, if I do one full page, uh, two full page, sorry, two full pages a week. So um, I'm writing it, I'm drawing it, I'm coloring it, I'm lettering it, I'm doing everything. Um, rewind actually even further back to when the sire was first trying to get off the ground. Uh, and for anybody who hasn't doesn't understand, doesn't know the book, it's about a superhero forced by his own costume to fight evil. It's kind of like having a spider sense, but instead of warning him danger, actually puts him in danger. Um, good friend of mine, uh, former Marvel editor, Darren Sanchez was like, cause this was my plan to begin with. And he says, you know, are you trying to tell a story or are you trying to do an art project? Because, you know, you're going to hold yourself back if you're, if you're really intent on doing all the artwork. And back then it was, no, I'm, I'm trying to launch my career, trying to get a story that I need out of my head and get it out there. Um, you know, fast forward 15 years, we just celebrated the 15 year anniversary of the sire number one. And I was like, no, I, I actually now I want to take on all this because it's not it is like an art project, but it's uh, it's setting myself up into the next stage of my career where I don't have to rely on other artists. I don't have to rely on, uh, you know, 
other publishers. You know, thanks to Kickstarter, we can kind of just bring it to the fans. Um, and I can and I can do it in a way now that I couldn't do 15 years ago uh, artistically that I'm, I'm satisfied with. And I was like, no, nah, I want to do this. Now, mind you, the book, you know, I figured a six-month schedule would work. It would be out in July. You know, I'd be shipping it in July, and, and, and people would have it in August. It's stretching into September. Uh, but but I got to tell you, some of the, the artwork now, because I, I keep going back. That's the problem. I had my schedule. I was good. But – as with any artist, when you, the more you get into it, the better you get. Not in a crazy way, but definitely a couple of the early pages. I said, you know, for consistency's sake, I've got to go back and fix these. Um, and just in general, it's it's definitely a hard task because I'm also juggling like 800 other projects too. <laughs> so it, it is what it is. It's a good problem to have. Uh, the good news, obviously, is being in constant contact with the backers and letting them know and showing them like, hey, here's the progress. Here's why it's taking so long. I wasn't happy with this. Like I was giving them like, here's the original page six. Now here's the new page six and look how much better it is and I'll feel better about it. Uh, so they'll be getting digital rewards in a couple of weeks, which is fantastic. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the only, the only lesson I learned was if I'm going to do is do a single issue. Cause like I definitely would have had a single issue finished. I do have chapter one done. Uh, and if I had to do it all over again, that's what I would do. But I wanted to do a trade. I was like, nah, I want to do it. I want to do a thick book, man. I like, I like the thick book, but issue 15 will be, or issue 14, I think it is, it's 11, 12, 13 in this one. Issue, issue 14 will be a single issue. I'm going to, I'll figure out a way to market it on Kickstarter. I liked it. I just like doing volumes. Like it just seemed like a better way to do it. I don't know. Well, like every third issue, you, every, every third or fourth issue you do, depending on how you want to do it, mm -hmm. uh, your catch-up tier can be a trade of the last three or yeah, four. Yeah, I, I mean, I could just do a trade. I mean, I could also just do a trade as, uh, you know, mm -hmm. but after it's all done, I, I don't know. I, I definitely, I just wanted to challenge myself and boy, did I ever, <laughs> boy, did I ever. So, but, uh, but it's good. Like I said, it's, it's seriously the best art I've ever done. I, I legitimately look at it right now and go, wow, that's professional. And, and, I mean, anybody who's an artist out there, sometimes you have to really be honest with yourself and mm -hmm. sometimes look at some of the stuff you're doing. And, and some of the artwork I was doing, you know, 15, 20 years ago was professional, but it wasn't consistent. And this time around, I've got a level of consistency to what professional artists do. And I say, you know what? All right. Now I feel good about that. And um, there's still going to be a panel or two. I'm going to have to just redraw. Um, but it's not as daunting a task anymore. And, and, and that's thanks to technology, right? I mean, you know, back then, you know, if I'm redrawing something, oh my gosh, I mean, then, then it's like, you know, you have to copy and paste, you have to scan, you have to do all this other stuff, you know, excuse me, now I can fix things digitally. I can, uh, I can, you know, tweak things digitally that, you know, you, you just, you just couldn't do back when I was first doing all this stuff. And, um, you know, now kind of, this is my second decade doing work in comics. I'm not as big a stickler to the perfectionist route and not in a bad way, like in a good way, in like a total good way of not being like a slave to, well, it's got to do this because I have to sell pages at cons and, and that's how I'm going to make money. And, um, you know, like even just little things like that is what I would think of when I was, when I was a younger artist, I was, I was always constantly thinking of how can I make this be my living and the only way you make that a living is you've got to figure out as much that you can sell. But that was back in, you know, in the day when you would go to cons. Now, 
pre, I mean, pre-pandemic cons were big and they will be back again. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm very convinced that will happen, but now with the method of Kickstarter, I mean, there's a delivery system that, and a, and a capacity to make money that it's now more important to just continue to process work and, and get it done. That's the number one thing because the, the platform is there now. It's not something you have to, you know, really worry about, which is what you had, you know, we had to when I was first breaking in. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure about Kickstarter because I haven't backed, I backed uh, a good amount of stuff on Kickstarter. Uh, most of which are tabletop games, but uh, but they are comic book tabletop games. Uh, I backed. Uh, hey, whatever, whatever floats your boat, man. No, yeah, no, no judgment. Look, it's it's always going to have a nerd connection, you know. Uh, That's it. So uh, last Christmas, I got in the uh, Umbrella Academy uh, card game. Okay. And I was expecting the box to be bigger than this, but. You know, for for seventy bucks, I was expecting the box to be bigger than this. Uh, I did just back the uh, objects in there are closer than they appear, <laughs> or further back mm -hmm. than they appear. I Look, guess. there are many cards. I'm like, man, I'm friggin' old. I can't. You know, <laughs> I'm like, come on. <laughs> uh, I did. I did uh, earlier this year back the uh, the Dark Knight Returns tabletop game. Okay. And of course, I I, I backed the deluxe edition because the uh, the regular edition. Remember the remember the old uh, Escape from the Death Star board game when we were kids. Yep, yep. You got you got the you got the characters, but they were on double sided fold down cardboard, and you put them in like this little dinky plastic stand, and you would move them around. So if you got the if you got like the uh, the seventy dollar version of the game. Well, seventy-five dollar version of the game—that's what you got for pieces. If you got the hundred dollar version of the game, they actually sculpted and made like little plastic resin figures for like everything, and added up. The more money they made, the more pieces they put together for it. So uh, I spent the hundred dollars. Uh, it, it's now, been when almost. Did you, when did you? Um, like when was that? You said that's the last thing you did. Uh, that's the, that was, uh, last March Ooh. and it's supposedly due out for Christmas. So. Okay. That's, I mean, that's, that's totally fair. You know, it, it's, well, it's a hundred dollar thing for somebody on a, on a fixed income. That's quite a bit of money. Uh, but it was like, you know, that'll I missed get, out. That'll get you to the next. That'll get you to the next day, though. There's, there's yeah, merit to that sometimes, you know. It'll get it'll get me to the next day, but you're responsible with it, you know. And then I, but then I have to, you know, finish and and get people to actually come over and actually play a game. Mm. Zoom <laughs> uh, it, baby. I don't know how you do it, but you can. We'll figure my, it out. Uh, my uh, my daughter has come to the realization that she does not like playing games with dad. Because dad has had too much time playing games and he's good at some <laughs> stuff. She loved playing Uno with me until mm. I would uh, end up with like four or five uh, draw fours in my hand at a time and just play the almighty Captain Kirk hand of Fisden. And uh, I would come back, you know, I would come back from, you know, having one card and, and burying her under a heap. I'm going to do shameless plug time, but my buddy uh, James Massey from Dren Productions 
has a new tabletop game on Kickstarter. Cool, Lord you got a link Lord. for it? What's that? I, I have to find it. I'm going to find it. Okay. That's shameless plug time, but you can look up Dren Productions on Kickstarter for sure and uh, check out some of the stuff he's got. He told me years ago, he's like tabletop gaming. He's like, that's going to be the next big thing, like big, big thing, and it's, and it's huge. He's got a knack for those things. He's just very, like, he's very ahead of the curve. I've always liked tabletop games. Uh, I don't think this is it. I, I put in I put in Dread Productions on Kickstarter, and it gives me... Uh, no, not Judge Dread. Dren Productions. Oh, Dren. That, that's why. Yeah, it's that's, nerd that's, spelled backwards. That, that's too bad because uh, it was bringing me to a, a Kickstarter for Judge Dread in the worlds of uh, 2000 AD, but I'll, I can go back there after the show. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can. I'm, 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 I'm like looking right now. See, this is like in the moment. Let's see. Architects of the Deep. That's the one he's doing. But I don't think. Uh, it, I don't think he's live right that, now. Let's the see. The first one that came up for me was uh, Dungeons and Dimwits. Ah, uh, he's got that too. He's got that too. Architects of the Deep. So it was already fully funded, but man, he's killing it with that. It's it's phenomenal. He's doing such a great job with that. Pledged twelve thousand of his two thousand dollar goal. Nice. Here I'll I'll uh, I'll shoot you off a uh, a link. So I, I went into his I went into his profile. So I'm gonna follow him over on Twitter so I can. Uh, yes. See what he's see what he's got going on. You know who who would have ever thought that I would have been active on Twitter. <sighs> <laughs> Twitter is uh, Twitter's a cesspool. I'm not gonna lie. Twitter is definitely a cesspool. There is um, it's a it's a cesspool, but I have also uh, let's see. I just I just liked uh, Dren Productions LLC over on Facebook too. So we got that. Uh, James is the man, and we have a we have a book. See, this is shameless. See how the shameless plug kind of ties in. So we have a, we're gonna have a Kickstarter coming out. Um, it's Plan 59 from Outer Space. It's the sequel to Plan 9. Uh, they've tried 50 other plans. Uh, and uh, it's book two. So it'll be out uh, next month, which is pretty cool. Oh, nice. And uh, we we will continue with the shameless plug and, and throw that up in the chat. I can't so, help it. That's, you know, hey, that's, that's what we're here for. Uh, you know, so... Uh, you can go over. You can you can check that out, even though it's been fully funded. But you can uh, you can hit his you can uh, follow. That's it. It's all yeah. about following him. You you, you click and once you hit the once you hit the follow button uh, on Kickstarter, you'll you'll just get notified every time he launches something new. Exactly. And you can you know by all means go go and you know follow him on Twitter and Facebook as well, because you know why not? I did. They're like, whoa, we don't have to do it because you're just going to tell us all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, but if you're not watching, you won't know. Sure. So, you know, it's just it's just one of those things. So, 
Man, I just want to take a quick look at this one. <laughs> do it. It's, I can. James just, has. I gotta tell you, James Massey is one of the reasons up. I'm still doing work. Um. Oh, he's oh he's messaging me right now. The RPG games. These are RPG games. The board game hasn't launched yet. Okay. I'm gonna get him on your show, and you can tell him all about this stuff. Yeah. I like but RPGs. The thing about James Massey. This is the thing that's great about him. He is a he is one of the most prolific writers that I know. First of all, he's just and when I say prolific, I mean he is he's just spitting novels out. Um, he writes comics. He's doing RPG games. He commissions artists uh, for parody prints. Parody like a like a P A R O D Y like parody um, mm -hmm. prints. Uh, like he. Like literally, I, he, I'm just always so amazed. And so we went to college together and it was around 2012 where I had been published by Image earlier than that, but all my, like my, my editor was let go. Hey James. Oh, there he is. See, <laughs> boom. I told him, I, I told him, check it out. I'm, I told him, I was like, I'm plugging you right now. And it was 2012. It's New York Comic Con. And that's when he started doing his own stuff. And you know, so we, we would always like share a table or things like that. And, you know, he would always have these like, you know, things and like plans and, and projects. And it helps kind of, not that I was, I mean, I was never going to drop out, but I was definitely in that, in that, in that very. Um, Shaky ground. Yeah. Where, you know, you're like, wow, I worked really hard to get where I, where I was at. And it amounted to essentially one three issue miniseries and I colored another book for image and that was it. And, and I wasn't getting any new um, projects and I wasn't, you know, I would be pitching, but I'd get rejected. And, you know, it was one of those things where the two of us would really just kind of hunker down and do these shows. And mind you, he was just kind of starting out at that point And I was kind of, you know, floundering for, for lack of a better term, but uh, through the course of those couple of years of just kind of sticking around and staying with it, um, and, and that's, and that's thanks to him, you know, I mean, there's no question about it where, you know, he would definitely kind of push and poke and, and prod. And, and now, um, I hooked up with a new company called Rogue Matter and I was able to introduce him to them. And, um, but, but him on his own, Dren Productions has done so well in the Kickstarter space and that's all him. And, uh, he's, he's, he's really taken advantage of the new platforms that are out there. And, uh, you know, the two of us, you know, have collaborated on Planet 59 and we've got some more collaborations coming in and, um, and he's doing some stuff at Rogue Matter also. So uh, it's, it's just, it's cool to see the perseverance pays off um, because people tell you to stick around and, and, and it's, it's a great, you know, way to motivate. And it's, and it's definitely accurate because when you talk to folks who make it or folks that are doing this for a living uh, in any medium, right, be it comics, be it entertainment, be it whatever, they're always like, well, I stuck with it and I persevered. However, I'm sure there are a ton of people that are like, I stuck with it and persevered for 15 years and didn't make it and didn't get anywhere. And mm -hmm. so just sticking around is, is part of the formula. Um, but also being able to deliver like quality products and quality work and have talent and, and really showcases is, is the other end of the equation. And, and sometimes, you know, you get a little luck thrown in too. Um, but luck is just putting yourself in position to succeed. And, and I think 
you know, what James has done and, and, and hopefully what I've done is, is just put ourselves in a position to succeed. So it's been, uh, it's been pretty cool. Oh yeah. And, and this book right here, the book of notices that's up on the screen, that's genius because, uh, there's, there's so many people that play D and D and so many that do online. Matter of fact, uh, people that I'm friends with on their channel, uh, do a live RPG stream. It's not D and D it's, it's based off a different mechanic, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, along those, you know, it's, they're all, you know, offshoots of one another. So, yeah. Um, and they, they do it live every Wednesday. It's very entertaining. Uh, it's very 18 and over. Uh, yeah. But wrong this, with that. this is, this is genius. Cause it's, it's, it's like if you play, you know, any or given campaign out of out of D and D, it's like a straight shoot. You're going to do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. yep. This makes it so you can do thirty-seven and a half different more things. Yeah, no, he uh, he's got it. I I'm a hundred percent honest when I tell you I really know next to nothing <laughs> about it about rpg games so if you're saying genius awesome because he's got a very he's got a good ear to the ground for this kind of stuff yeah uh he must uh the goal on this was was 2k and he did uh 12,214 mm -hmm. with 448 backers not bad yeah that's a lot not bad like I said, he's got the he's got the Kickstarter uh, calculation down pat, and and Kickstarter Kickstarter is just a fun place too right now, um, and Indiegogo too. I don't think there's any real difference. I know um, both platforms have have kind of gotten politicized uh, very highly because that's what we do right now. It's so I'm so I'm so over it. It's so but, ridiculous. But what they you know what what there's a formula to it, but there's also an opportunity. Um, and what Kickstarter has become is, is a place that people go to look for new things and, and, mm -hmm. and new comics and new RPGs and new board games. And, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely graduated from my early perception of why am I asking my friends and family for money? <laughs> you know, like GoFundMe is still like exactly what that is. Like to me, GoFundMe mm -hmm. is you need money. Please give me money. Uh, Kickstarter is more about a, you know, supply and demand purchase system, and uh, and it's it's a distribution system, and that's yeah. Kickstarter is like the eBay of of crowdfunding, and Indiegogo is like the whatnot of crowdfunding. Yeah. Um, I like I like the mechanics of Indiegogo uh, better. I like I like the fact that they take out less fees. Mm. So the creator gets more money, uh, you know, some, something uh, you might like. Uh, and if, if uh, even if you fund, if you want, you can, before your 30 days are up, you can re-up for another 30, which, by okay. the way, by the way, gives you a kick back up to the top of their algorithm. Ah, okay. For people to see this, this tricks of the trade, you know that. Uh, yeah, no, in, you know, it's funny. I did one Indiegogo campaign um, and it was really a learning experience. And what I like about Indiegogo, they have 
the after experience though too is that you can take anything and you can and you can still um i'm just trying to look what the exact in demand that's Any, it okay as long as you, as long as you so fund that's something we're going to be diving into where you can put your you can put your hey the, um, this thing was successfully funded on kickstarter now check us out on indiegogo and hopefully reach a new audience without yeah. having to do a new campaign because yeah. that you was know, the big thing like the, when i would finish the campaign is the same but uh each one requires that you have an exclusive cover for for their platform. Okay. So right. uh, Easy enough. you you might know an artist that might be able to draw like an you know an Indiegogo exclu ex exclusive cover and people yeah. like people love exclusives and 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 new stuff. It's like, you know, you can only get this on Indiegogo, you can only get that on on Kickstarter. Uh, you know, and then you start feeling, ooh, I went all in on Indiegogo on this. Yep. Uh, I really don't have any money left to, to go to Kickstarter, but you still, you know, you still have, you know, you still have, you know, something ex ex exclusive. And when those books go back to print or when they, when the creators show up to the con, they don't have any of the exclusive crowdfunding covers. They just have like the main cover and, you know, any variants that weren't exclusives to sell you so you you know you can still buy them but i found yeah. on i found on indiegogo a huge thing is people love to buy original art over there oh okay oh that's interesting to know uh and there's there's uh you know there's a there's a big talent pool over there uh in fact uh guy that i, I became uh, great friends with uh sean howe he's a freelance illustrator and uh, I do the uh, the Seanzilla art show with him every Wednesday night at eleven. Okay. Uh, it would have been earlier, but uh, you know. Is that a both... shameless plug? That is a shameless plug. Excellent. Uh, I think we're up to five now, which is <laughs> between the right. two of us. Hey, well, probably well, more okay. than that. I'm probably well, miscounting. Well, there's no limit. You know, this this is a free <laughs> refill. Shameless plugs are like free refills at McDonald's when you're a senior. Citizen. I agree. Um. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's on, and he he's been doing covers for uh, um, the last thing he did covers for was uh, Alton's book uh, "Witches of West uh, Westchester," uh, the okay. same guy that does uh, "Vampires in New Jersey." Sure. So he did uh, he did he did two covers. Uh, they did because he does all the naughty and nice covers on his campaigns. Okay. So Sean, Sean did a naughty and nice cover, and one of the first stretch goals was a uh, an A4 print of Sean's nice cover. Ah. And uh, he uh, he already sold the original art for that uh, about ah. I think like three days after the the cover was approved, mm -hmm. it sold. He's he's got this guy that just is just in love with his work and buys. Uh, stacks of original art at a time off them will be like uh show me the last 150 pieces you did and uh send them over to me in a pdf and i will uh, i'll tell you which ones i'm buying <laughs> wow okay dude that's incredible it's incredible though I, we were we were kind of just talking about this on my podcast tonight too or where it's just so different 
and that's okay. Like that's a good thing, right? It's it's such a different um, time to be a fan. Where, I mean, part of that is now also the pandemic, right? I mean, that's that's obviously impacted uh, the virtual experience, uh, the virtual, the metaverse, as they as they like to as they like to call it. Um, you know, but it's it's. I mean, the, the thought that you could connect with the person. So we we were talking about Cravens last tonight on uh, on the Rogue Wave podcast. Um, we were actually we actually had my co-host for another podcast that I do, which is called Wednesday Forever. And Wednesday Forever, we talk about the comics that inspired a generation. And we thought it'd be really fun to do it uh, through the Rogue Wave podcast. And we co- we actually interviewed my uh, co-host on that, which is Asan Godwin. And his book was Craven's Last Hunt. And we were talking about how that book was so impactful for him because, you know, he was maybe like seven, eight years old. He was at sleepaway camp uh, and he only had the first three issues of the of the series in which Spider-Man dies. And he's like that whole summer, I was convinced Spider-Man was dead. Uh, And it's because, you know, as opposed to today, you don't have that instant access to uh, both the creators, both the creatives. Uh, you know, he had to wait a good like month, you know, until, until, and then he had to wait till he went home because he couldn't get to a comic book shop or he couldn't get to, there wasn't even, you know, back then it was like stationary stores or Rite Aid or, you know, like mm-hmm. Toys R Us or, you know, wherever there's so many places you could buy comic books that you can't buy now. But at the same time, you know, you're limited by, as an eight-year-old, your ability to get get someone to drive you there, <laughs> and maybe and, and, you have the money to buy the comics. Right, right. So, you know, versus now, where you literally, if he was at sleepaway camp, he'd have his cell phone and he would know what happened every week. Yeah. You know, um, and and so it, it's it's just it's a it's a fascinating time now in that. Selling original art of an indie book 20 years ago, I think would almost be unheard of. And to be able to do that through a Kickstarter now, I think that's just, that's mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, you, you find that uh, a lot of the fans are just, you know, either rediscovering or just going back to, you know, indie books and being like, I like this better. I, yeah. I can have a personal connection with the creator. I can ask this dude questions online and I don't, you know, there's, you know, conventions are just, just starting to come back. But like last year, you know, you could, you could ask, you know, like yourself or anybody else, a question about their book and they would answer you and it wouldn't cost you, uh, you know, $57 for an entry fee. And, you know, the ticket master charge and then waiting in line. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's there, there's a, there's a personal connection and with all, all the shows like yours and mine, people can get to know the creators, mm-hmm. you know, through their appearances on these shows, which yeah. just will draw them in more. Yep. You know, or, if they're a jerk on the show, maybe chase them away. Uh, but it'll let you get to know them better. Yeah. And and then you notice people will, in waves, start following certain groups of creators around yeah. because they've fallen in love with their work. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, I go, this is awesome. I go, I don't need Batman anymore. Yeah. I mean, I've got Batman comics going back from uh, like the beginning of the year to, uh, oh, I don't know, 1976. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty I've sure. I've been rereading, to your point, I've been rereading all my old comics now. Uh, and and oh, I yeah. still in, I still enjoy them more um, than most of the new comics that I get out there. Straight Bullets is one exception. I think Straight Bullets is an amazing uh, book. Mm -hmm. The X-Men books recently have been more interesting, but I actually loved, uh, prior to Jonathan Hickman's run, Cullen Bunn was doing a run that I thought was just as good. Uh, the art wasn't as good, but the run itself was just as good as any you know, X-Men storyline that I'd come before. But but honestly, comic books like the mainstream Marvel and DC, now that the now that we have Disney Plus, now that we have the MCU, those feel like the legitimate universes, which is a which is a terrible thing in a way, right? Because the comic book itself, I mean, I can just I remember, and it's not just because you're younger, because I could still have the feeling in my 20s about like, man, I gotta get to the comic book store because I want mm -hmm. to know what happens in X universe or Spider-Man universe, or, you know, it's not just youthful energy. It's not just nostalgia. There was definitely a weight to them that we don't have now because I think the media, you know, or, or, or where the good stories are being told now is being told on like a WandaVision or a Loki series or, a Shang-Chi movie, uh, you know, Suicide Squad. I'm not a DC guy, but that was a fun movie, you know, and and that's now where we're getting, I feel like I'm getting at least uh, the same kind of like fix that I used to get from the comic books and the comic books themselves, I don't. But I will tell you, there's definitely some indie books out there that, you know, excite me and I'm curious for, um, but but that's, it's it's, it's a it's a transformation for me personally. In terms yeah, of like how I am as a comic book fan. Um I on the other hand had the opposite view of the X-Men. Okay. No, that's fair. Everybody's everyone's got um you know, wait. Of the recent ones? Yeah. I'm like we're going to a dinner party. I'm no, like see, all right. I agree with that. Out. Out and and I wasn't liking the other stuff. I was I wasn't like really enjoying the other stuff I was reading. The Powers of Ten and House of X is is more of along lines of what I was talking about. I actually read an interview with Hickman, and he was I mean he's obviously stepping away uh, because that's what they do now. They bring in a, like kind of like a coach, and and they kind of you know have mm -hmm. other. Al Ewing's a good writer though, so I'm I'm curious to see what he comes up with, but. You know, he basically said, like, I had a first, second, and third act, but everyone's enjoying the first act so much, so we're going to stay here. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, don't do that. Like, you know, the one thing I've noticed about the Marvel Universe is, and maybe DC too, but I don't, again, I don't really read too much DC, so I don't know if this is the case. I feel like the writers have taken for granted, like, how hard it is to create technology and the challenge that there should be in, you know, 
I feel like everything's just so easy, right? Like the X-Men can just show up and they're like, we've just cured world, you know, world disease. And it's like, that's, it should be harder than just you telling me you just, you know, cured the world disease because you're mutants. Um, it's the same thing with the Avengers Endgame where Tony Stark figures out time travel in, in like two minutes. It's like, dude, that should be the whole movie is you figuring out time travel, not, oh, I, I came up with it over breakfast and now we can do it. And it's like, all right, well then if you can do that, you've now detached me from reality. Cause in reality, um, you know, whether you want the vaccine or not, it took a full year and a half to create a vaccine. It wasn't like COVID came and then all of a sudden we had something to fight it. You know what I mean? Like there was a struggle. Like if you're looking at it from, if you're looking at, and I don't mean to belittle the pandemic, but if you look at the pandemic as a storyline in today's Marvel universe, they would have solved it after the first like day or two days because they just take for granted this, this, you know, amount of, I mean, for lack of a better term, like fiction science that they have in this, in this universe and the writers mm -hmm. are not, they're, they're, I don't know. They're, they're, they're making, it, it's, it's like what happens when you have a show like the walking dead or Buffy and the vampires are a real threat in season one and season two, they're still kind of a threat, but by season seven, because we as viewers or them as writers have seen it enough times Vampires, all of a sudden, Buffy's just like, oh, ho-hum. Like, humans are just killing vampires, like, no problem. Like, stabbing a stake through a vampire's heart. It's like, no, no, you don't have Buffy powers. How are you stabbing them so easily? You know, walkers used to be a real problem. I, that's why I actually do respect, you know, the job they did with the TV series sometimes. Because even in the later seasons, they would still make the walkers a threat. And the walkers could still randomly kill somebody. And at least you you remind people that like, oh yeah, these guys, just because you're used to them doesn't mean they're not a threat anymore. Just because you have a guy in an Iron Man suit, which defies logic, doesn't mean that everything in the world is super easy to accomplish and futuristic. Because if you do that, then all of a sudden you take away, I don't know, to me anyway, you take away the, like the challenge, like, Who's going to stop the X-Men now that they have their own island? Who's going to stop, you know, that they're almost like Superman. And, and what's the problem with writing Superman? He's perfect, right? Like you can't, you know, mm -hmm. you need to almost figure out a way to make him have some sort of faults. And so if you make the X-Men perfect, if you make the Avengers perfect, you make Tony Stark like, oh, by the way, took me over lunch and I just, I just created a, uh, a cure for COVID now. And it's like, yeah, well, okay, that's great, but that that is not real life. And yeah, that was there was a Marvel there was a reason why Bob Layton's uh, Demon in a Bottle run oh uh, was a perfect Iron Man run because it's like you took the perfection off of Tony Stark, yeah, and now he's like you know trying to put on a suit of armor and a bottle of Jack. So uh, yeah, no, I mean absolutely, and that's and that's. You know, those kind of smaller stories, I think that has gotten away from maybe the big two comic book creators. And, but you get it, you, in, indies, indies to me is a mixed bag too, right? You're either going to get greatness or you're going to get amateur. I, I feel like there's no mm -hmm. in between when it comes to that. You're, you're going to get one or the other. And, um, you know, like there's, there's folks like Big Dog Inc. that do a great job. Like it's a professional book. Always, you know, whether you like the book or not, 
you're never going to question whether or not it's professional and professionally done and authentic because he was he was doing things tom hutchinson he was doing things he was in the trenches you know with me back in the day you know really building a company and, and having to do that um and then there's you know there's some there's some kickstarters i backed where it's like all right I'm I'm I, I'm glad that you're achieving your dream. I'm glad I helped you achieve your dream. If you were going to submit this somewhere, it wouldn't get it. It wouldn't get accepted, mm-hmm. you know. And there's and there's a difference between being like subjectively accepted or rejected, and uh, you know because it, a I mean like I've been I've been turned down um, from Image. You're going to get rejections, you know. And a lot of times it's like mm, just not my cup of tea. Really nice book, not my cup of tea. Not what I'm looking for. Not what we're looking for right now. And that's different than when I first submitted Sire way back in the day to Diamond, where it's like art wasn't good enough, you know. And that was the reason they didn't take it. They're like, the art isn't good enough. This will not sell in comic book stores. It's not professional. And you kind of get a mixed bag sometimes when you're on Kickstarter in terms of, um, you know, quality of product of product. Mm-hmm. We've rambled a lot. Yeah. Right <laughs> it's uh, you know, you really have to. You know, as a as a backer, you have to really do your due diligence, and uh, you know, one of the first things you want to research is: uh, are these first time creators? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. be- because nine out of ten uh, longtime supporters of of the indie, <clears throat> excuse me, the indie crowdfund scene, the first thing we all want to know is. Uh, how were they on fulfillment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, are they on? You know, are they on time every time, or if not, are they uh, community? You know, very communicative. Uh, right. With with their backers, uh, like yeah. somebody at Sire Studios. Uh, oh, look! I just gave you your own shameless plug. Uh, I, I'm down with that. <laughs> um, you know, I've had. I've had projects that have been, you know, pushed Dude, back I've and pushed back. Dude, I've projects in 2017 I still have not gotten. Oh, I think I I, I forget the name, but I, I, I know what project you speaketh of because it has been uh, spoken with hellfire and brimstone coming out of some people's mouths, I know. Maybe. Like, I hope, I mean, the thing is, the creator itself... Seems like a good guy. I've had him on my show. He's a nice guy, and he's and and it's that people get on there, and all of a sudden they realize, like, holy cow, there's it, like creating comics is hard, man. Like, it's really hard. It's not easy. Um, and I don't say that be, to try to be flippant. It's not. It's a job, man. It's a job. You mm-hmm. know, like, and it sucks because you don't want to make your passion a job. But you have to sometimes. You have to understand that you are you are doing, you are creating something that someone wants. They're going to consume it very quickly, and they're going to want the next thing. And it sucks because you put a lot of effort into it. And I remember thinking that back in the day. I'm like, you know, people have asked me like, what's the one thing you learned from doing Sire? And I said, you know, the one thing I learned was I should have had all three issues in the can. I should have had those done because. It took me so long just to get it accepted at Diamond, to get it done, to get it lettered, to get it colored, that when it finally hit, I was like, oh, crap, I got to do this again. Like, 
almost overnight. Like I had to do it. Like something that took me like two years of mm -hmm. prep work and, and quite frankly, longer than that, but it was in different iterations at that point. But Dan Leister and I started drawing it and putting it together. I mean, January, 2005 and the culmination didn't happen until June of 2006. I mean, that's it's only a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, now you got to do all that stuff that you took a year and a half to do. You got to do it in 30 days. And you're like, oh, and you think you can do it. Um, he was working a job at the time. He wasn't doing comics full time. Uh, bless him. He did a great job. And, you know, we managed to put out issue two. I, I, I did it as a bi-monthly release. And then the other one I did it as a, as a, three months down the road, but it was a grind. It was a grind. Oh yeah. And uh, so you see these Kickstarter folks coming up there and I made this, I, look, I made the same mistake. I only had a few pages done of the uh, Sire volume three, but I had a plan and a schedule. And of course that goes out the window, but I have a track record at least. And like, like, like you had said, there's communication as well. Um, that there's at least a little bit of credibility to me saying, Hey, look, it's going to come. It's going to be there. Uh, but you have some folks that are out there for the first time. It's like, yeah, how much is actually done? Because otherwise, you're not getting your book for a while. And it's going to – look, it's only going to hurt you in the end too, right? Like, I mean, as you as a creator, it's only going to hurt because people are not going to respond well to the next thing you do. Um, mm -hmm. I have a book called Time Trader that's out uh, through Rogue Matter. Uh, we had COVID delays. Uh, the, Indi the art team was in India. Uh, so when, you know – Delta, Delta variant hit, you know, that delayed it a few months. Um, and then just the printer, there's a supply, there's a supply uh, delay going on right now too. And yeah. The there's, a, there's a huge paper shortage. Oh my God. The printer had it for a good month and a half. Like literally we sent it to them last in August and they're just getting it out now, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, uh, there's some things you can't control, uh, but it is about building that credibility up. I had, I had the same problem. Um, I started back in about uh, when I first started doing the show, uh, I went, uh, I'm sure you've heard this from me. I went a little overboard and then I went to pay bills and I didn't have any money left. And my <laughs> cards were all overdrawn because, uh, and this is, this is another uh, positive to, to negative effect and everybody's got their own opinion on it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but indiegogo does the uh as soon as you make that pledge uh we're taking your money okay they take the money right up front uh kickstarter takes it when it wraps right mm -hmm. um my problem was like well, i don't have to worry about that money for kickstarter you know it's it's not oh crap it's october I got you. uh oof. and uh but I had I had had a uh, young man on Connor Bar Bartel, uh, his uh, his artist and himself had done uh, like a sci-fi western book okay. that, that, that's in trade um, that look you know that looks gorgeous uh, and and it's a big beefy like 165 page book okay um, or something that you don't want to try um, <laughs> they they did the floppies first and then they. They did a release uh, down the road of, of the trade. They put it into trade afterwards. And then every time they launched the new project, they put it on as an add-on okay. that people could get after they made their, their pledge. But he started doing this uh, this three-part uh, samurai story. 
Okay. Which I loved. Uh, you know, it might have something to do with the fact that, you know, when I was a kid, there was a certain uh, miniseries that came out with Richard Chamberlain where his ship crashed on the shores of feudal Japan. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, the show Shogun was born that I've watched like 80 million times. Uh, yep. Somewhere around here, I actually have a, uh, you know, making of Shogun and behind the scenes, like okay. trade paperback book um, that I got at like a flea market for like $5 or something. Uh, but I've, oh, I've always, you know, loved that whole, you know, culture. I love, I love history. So it was, you know, I looked at it and, and the art on it was, you know, amazing. Okay. You know, black and white. And it was done. Yeah. Uh, let me just say, uh, David Mackish. Okay. Just his black and white stuff, not his color stuff. Um, and it was, it was done very traditionally. Too, yeah. And it, it was, it was just gorgeous. And, uh, I bought the, uh, The book where uh, the the main book would be in the front of the book, mm -hmm. and then he would have uh, pencils of the pages, um, and the script to go through, so you could read the original script and you could see, you know, the transition from the pencils to the inks, and uh, so. That was the that was the version of all the books I bought, and that's the version of the book that I bought this time. So it's it's double sized, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was a, it was a great experience. Uh, cover work and and all the extra stuff they put in it was you know super well done. Uh, but mm -hmm. he's a, he's in Alaska. His artist is in Turkey. It's pretty amazing, right? So it's yeah, it's it's awesome. The, the problem came in to uh, COVID restrictions and, uh, you know, then paper shortages and, and he's in Alaska. So it's, it's been about a year and a half and he just released the, uh, he just sent like two updates today. One was, here's your digital rewards. So I downloaded the digital and I looked, I go, yeah, I don't want to read it. Uh, <laughs> I want to wait till I had the real thing in my hand. Uh, and and he said the uh, the others mailed out. Uh, he prints through Mixum for the level forty eight. He prints through Mixum in Florida, and they print up everything his his A fours, his bookmarks, and whatever else gets done. It all goes in the package. All comes to me brand new. I've never had I've never had an issue with it. There's never been. Right you know, a problem. And so, you know, but with the paper shortages, it, it put everything on a, you know, yep. on a domino effect, you know, pushback. And I've, I've known like a lot of people that have gone, you know, have gone through that and uh, Rich Parada over in the UK, mm -hmm. he's got his, uh, he's got his second, the second chapter of his book. Uh, he was just waiting for the hardcovers to come in because the same thing, you know, delay of uh delay of you know product to be able to uh to make the books uh but they finally come in and he just got a he just got a deal um that he announced the other day that uh yes and cardboard shortages too uh there is sadly 
uh, a big shortage of uh, Gemini mailers, sadly. So when you get a Gemini mailer, if there's no label on it and they put it inside an envelope, save that Gemini mailer because you can. Dude, I got, I've got a ton, a ton of Gemini mailers. I got a whole box. Good. Uh, keep them, keep them coming in. And uh, I know you know the guys over at. Uh, I know you know Varian Grant and all them over at Indievolt. They've got a. Yeah. They've got a discount code because Gemini is a sponsor of theirs. They get a discount code for ten percent off Gemini mailers when you order from Gemini. Ooh. And I will put it right here in the chat. <laughs> There's nothing, there's, you know what? We've done a nice job of shamelessly plugging each other, but also other people. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Here we go. Bolt 10, 10% discount. And you're yeah. saying, oh, only 10%, but. Hey, 10% goes a long way, man. You know, when, when you're ordering in bulk because you have to, you know, ship your product out to, you know, one to 400 people, mm -hmm. uh, that's a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Luckily, I still had, uh, like, a full brick of uh, Gemini mailers from uh, when I got really sick back in uh, 2016. And mm. when... A 2,200 square foot trailer pulled up with all my stuff. They were in there, and it was still shrink wrapped. I've gone through about half of them now, but I still I still have about 75 left, so I'm I'm good for a little while. <laughs> so now the Gemini mailers, those are pretty solid in terms of being able to package your books out and stuff like that. Now, the other thing that I was always told, though, also in terms of the shipping. I actually kind of—I mean, I don't—I don't love the shipping. Don't get me wrong, but um, was not to even really waste your time. Like, there's there's a lot of fulfillment centers out there. Comic Impressions down in Florida will actually do all the shipping for you, and that's kind of a a bonus. Um, you know, there's a uh, Comics Wellspring, which I will always plug because they're a fantastic printer and they're very fast. They're mm -hmm. a little pricier than say Comic Impressions. Uh, they're starting to do fulfill, fulfillment now too, and Kablam, Kablam has been doing that for a while too, and and they're they're pretty solid when it, when you know when all is said and done. I know uh, RJ from uh, CriticalBlast.com is uh, is now doing fulfillment. And, okay. Uh, he will, you know, if you want to fulfill it yourself, but uh, you still need help with uh, the logistics. Uh, that's what he did for 30 years for, you know, all these, all these big companies. So he's got, he's got both the Kickstarter spreadsheets and the, uh, Indiegogo spreadsheets down to a science. Uh, so he can, you know, tell you, okay, you need to package up, you know, 17 of this tier, 55 of this tier and, and, you know, so on down the line he goes, here it is. Here's all your customers. <laughs> the, you know tier tier a is highlighted yeah. in yellow tier a is tier b is highlighted in pink you know and and so on you know so on down the line or you can do 
or you can do the whole thing. And he's, he set up a, he set up a thing where uh, creators from overseas uh, can fulfill here in the States a lot cheaper by sending him one big bulk box okay. of, of their product. And then, sure. and then he'll, he'll fulfill it and mail it out here, which makes it cheaper on the creator and they can pass that savings on to the consumer. So it's, it's, it's been, it's been working out. He's fulfilling for, uh, Mike Jimmy Larasha de Bruin from the Netherlands. Uh, is he's fulfilling all his stuff. You couldn't here. pay me to say that name right now. I had a- <laughs> I, I've had I've, I've had a year and a half's practice. He's been on the show like five times, and wow, that's that, I'm very color me very impressed. I butcher names all the time. I butchered uh, a name. A guy, he was an actor, and I, I think I got his like first name wrong at some point. He's like, no, my name is this. And I'm like, well, I look I look very stupid right now. <laughs> we usually just stop at Mike Jimmy because uh, you know we don't we don't want to go too far. I know. Uh, the uh, the last book that Michael Odin did, the Embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he's here, his artist is in Australia. But everything wow. everything yeah. was was shipped up here, and uh, Michael's just like goes, I don't have time to do this. I have like three other books I'm writing, uh, a day job wow. and a kid, uh, and just said. Here, it's going to be worth the money. Yeah, you do the you do the whole thing. Everything was getting printed up here anyhow, and uh, and there's a, there's a there's a couple of other uh, creators that that I back that are are go are going through him, and I've gotten I've gotten stuff from him like uh, three or four times in the past. It's always you know top notch, mm-hmm. you know packed very well, you know Gemini's and and bubble wrap and. You know, he gets the he gets the fancy uh, plastic uh, auto seal bags that mm-hmm. that you can tuck the uh, Gemini in in case you know it's raining out and the mailman's like, yeah, okay, yeah. And <laughs> uh, but he also prints the uh, the cover of the book on the outside of that plastic bag. So as okay. soon as you get as soon as you get it like in your mailbox or on your front porch, you're like, yes, comics. And you can, you know, you can put the bills down for a second and 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 hurry up and open up your, your bundle of comics to see what you got. So and I know there's there's lots and lots of fulfillment centers all all around that, you know, do awesome jobs. So there's oh, yeah. uh, you know, some some people want to do it themselves. Um just because they're they're afraid of something getting damaged if it gets shipped to too many places, but okay, you know, because some some people are like signing everything, and the fulfillment center is you know in Washington State, but they're like in Oregon, and they're like, well, if they ship it to me, I open it up, then I got to repackage it and ship it to him, and then sometimes they get a little antsy if you know if the if the if the A four prints are going to get damaged being reshipped or if the books are going to get damaged, you know, being reshipped or, you know, you just, sometimes you just gotta, you know, 
drink drink a an an extra dark coffee and uh, <laughs> you know relax a little bit. Fun fact: I've never had a drop of coffee in my entire life. Never. One time, uh, actually a couple times, because the carry gets um, clogged sometimes. I've mixed my tea with a coffee, and I'll be like, and I'll be like, ah, oh, no. But no, never. I'm a tea drinker, not a coffee drinker. Yeah, uh, my mother drank both. Like she would have a coffee in the morning, uh, but she she took everything. She took everything black. She didn't put sugar in anything. She didn't put. Uh, you know, milk and anything. Um, I tried to take a sip of her coffee, and it was even worse because it was decaffeinated. Oh, uh, decaf—that's not real anything. Yeah, no. Uh, when I was younger, I tried to take a you know a sip of it, and I thought it was gross. Uh, but I did like tea. But mm -hmm. when I got about fifteen or sixteen, I. Uh, I discovered that I really like Dunkin' Donuts coffee, especially <laughs> the flavored stuff with lots and lots of sugar. Uh, yeah. And then I got lots and lots of diabetes. So uh, now I don't put sugar in anything anymore either. Uh, and, uh, you know, just a little bit of milk, milk to cool it down so I can, you know, so I can drink it. But, uh, and yes, I'm, I'm one of those basic bitches. Uh, I am dying to get a, big container of pumpkin spice coffee right now. Uh, <laughs> love it. I love pumpkin. I can't help it. My wife is a huge, huge pumpkin everything. The beer, the coffee, all that stuff. I The pumpkins too, it's, I don't know. I like it. Deal with it. Not great though. I like, uh, there's a certain pumpkin beer uh, that we have around here. And I can't remember the name of it because I haven't I haven't had anything, uh, you know, to drink, so to speak, since uh, you know since the coma. So, uh, but I had I had plenty of it beforehand, and uh, this particular pumpkin beer, well, actually, it was a pumpkin ale, and yeah. a bar that a friend of mine used to bartend at, who has passed away since, uh, they used to take. The chilled pint cups mm -hmm. and rim the glass with brown sugar and then pour the pumpkin ale in. So you would just slightly turn the, the cup every time you took a drink. And it would literally taste like pumpkin pie because you get the brown sugar and the pumpkin ale and it's ice cold. And it was like, <sighs> and And the first time that happened, I was taking an Uber home. So <laughs> it was like, this is good. You want some more to eat? Uh-huh. Oh, man. Uber is a crazy thing, right? Yeah. Like, like think about the concept of Uber. I'm going to get in somebody's car. Yeah, Are you a taxi driver? No. You're, I'm just some guy. I have a car or gal. I have a car. See, there's, things you're just gonna get in. Us, there's things they tell us when we're kids. Uh that when, when we become adults, it's the complete opposite, polar opposite. When we're kids, don't do drugs, you'll die. When you get older, do these drugs or you're going to die. <laughs> don't get in a stranger's car. Get into this stranger's car after get you've into already the stranger's paid car. them the money. 
<laughs> and, and make sure you give them a five star review, or they might and they you on the side. Too, as a passenger, they're like, not only that, get in that guy's car, and we're gonna we're gonna rate you as a as a passenger. Mm-hmm. It's You're gonna rate us as a passenger, and then uh, you know, I always wait to see what they rated me as a passenger first. I'll, I'll put the five star review, and then I'll you know, and then if they rate me like you know badly, I would yeah. you know. I would edit my review, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I had gotten in an accident long before my, uh, about a year before my, uh, coma. And, uh, I was waiting for a while to get a, to get a vehicle back. So for, uh, say about two or three months, I had to take an Uber back and forth yeah. to work. And I, I lived in the boonies of mass and I was working in, in clubs down in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, so as the gas went up, so did the Uber fees. So uh, I started off, it was costing me about $25, $30 each way. Okay. Uh, so then I started uh, convincing other friends that worked in the, uh, that worked in that area or, you know, other friends and family be like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? Uh, I will give you money if you will pick me up after work and give me a ride home. Where's your truck? I go to the shop. Had a telephone pole. Ooh. I popped a curb and uh, he's like, sure. I can use the money. (laughs) Works for me. I go, you get gas paid for uh, plus, you know, you know, extra. No, no. I mean, look, Uber is totally legit now. But I got to be honest, when the first happened, I'm like, I'm not getting in some guy's, like, I'm getting in some stranger's car, essentially. Like like you said, it's like, didn't mama and dad tell me how this was going to end? Like, you're not supposed to do that. You don't do it when you're 30 either. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. You know, it never worked out for me. I always had, like, you know, another old guy like me driving the vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, and all my friends would get Uber rides. It would always be like some really hot, like twenty-something college chick driving them, and I'm like, I really hate you. He's like, you did not get a good review then, as a, as a passenger at that. Well, point. the the other guy did. Uh, the guy that was driving me uh, was was actually my regular driver. Like, even if he wasn't on, he's like, uh, here's my number. Text me if you need a ride because you know it's more money for him. He literally. Sure. 10 minutes from my house, he's like, well, as long as I don't have to pick up the kids at school and, and the wife's not mad at me, he goes, I can hop in the car and disappear. For a he, goes, he goes, he goes, my, uh, my regular afternoon guy needs, needs, needs to go to work. I'll see you in an hour. <laughs> and it, was like, it was like 50 bucks in his pocket. So he was like, you know, all, all worked out, but. Yeah, it's it's you know it's like the internet. There's good and bad effects, uh, you know, on both sides of it. Agreed, absolutely agree. We've covered a lot of ground tonight. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, we haven't even talked about your you know your book outside of you know redrawing pages either. It's all good. You guys can check me out on sirestudiosinc.com. You can check me out at, at sire underscore studios. Go to roguematter.com. Uh, Go to facebook.com slash rogue matter podcast, youtube.com slash rogue matter. I mean, I'm out. I'm about. 
people can yeah. find me. Check check them out on, uh, on the Rogue Wave podcast. Uh, uh, you might actually run into me in the chat once in a while. I hope I'm, so. I love I love it. The the more the merrier in the chat. Always as I'm as I'm scrolling around. So uh, you know that'll that'll be there. Uh, Michael, thanks again for uh, for coming and hanging out. Uh, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep you updated on my new bionic legs, and uh, <laughs> I will have this. Uh, up shortly as a uh, as I upload it to my podcast platform, and once I oh. get the notification from Spotify, I will share it out and tag you in it. Please do, and and I appreciate it as always. And uh, thanks, thanks once again for hanging out, and uh, have a great evening. And uh, I will uh, do my best uh, when I when I spot the notification to to at least swing in and uh, and and hail. Hail to the chat on uh, on one of your shows. Oh no, it, it's always appreciated. I definitely do. But like I said, thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate it too. You're welcome very much. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, and uh, everybody else, we will see you shortly over on the Seanzilla Art Show, 11 p.m. Eastern. Until then, uh, peace, love, and read some comic books. <laughs>